This message comes from Capital One. Your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services backed by the strength of a top 10 commercial bank. Visit CapitalOne.com slash commercial. Member FDIC. Violent Night is the movie that dares to ask the question, what if Santa Claus was a jaded drunk who steals booze while leaving presents under the tree on Christmas Eve? David Harbour plays the not-so-jolly old Saint Nick who unexpectedly finds himself caught in the middle of a home invasion of an insanely wealthy family. John Leguizamo plays the dastardly leader of the heist. And as the title suggests, violence and plenty of Christmas-themed puns ensue. I'm Aisha Harris, and today we're talking about Violent Night on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Joining us today is NPR Culture Desk correspondent Netta Ulabi. Welcome back, Netta. Hi, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> also with us is Jordan Cruciola. She's a writer and producer and the host of the podcast Feeling Seen on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to you too, Jordan. Thank you so much. Thrilled to be here as always. Yes, it's great to have you. So in Violent Night, David Harbour plays Santa Claus, who's grown cynical about the state of the world and is ready to end Christmas for good. While delivering gifts at the compound of the wealthy Lightstone family, he unwittingly stumbles upon a home invasion led by Jimmy Scrooge, played by a scenery-chewing John Leguizamo. With help from Trudy, the sweet and innocent granddaughter of the family played by Leah Brady, Santa does a bloody battle with Jimmy and his band of mercenaries. The movie also stars Alex Hassel and Alexis Lauder as Trudy's parents, Jason and Linda, Beverly D'Angelo as Jason's mean mother, Gertrude, and Edie Patterson as Jason's greedy sister, Alva. Violet Night is out in theaters now. Jordan, let's start with you. What did you think of Violent Night? I'm a big fan of Violent Night. I was prepped for this by a friend, by him telling me that it was both one of the best Christmas movies he'd seen in years and also just like a super fun genre movie. And he is a Christmas horror enthusiast. He also said he cried three times. (laughs) And uh, I too got emotional at multiple points. This movie delivered upon, I feel like, the two pieces of information, if you know what this means, what I'm about to say, then this movie will fulfill, I think, the desires that you want of it. This is an 87 North production. They previously have come out with movies like Nobody and Kate and this year Bullet Train. So think of that in terms of your action beatdown stylings. Mm-hmm. And then the director is Tommy Workala. Tommy Workala's whole deal is like, let's take something you know and then let's like chop it and screw it and make it crazy. So like, yes, you know Nazis are evil. What if I gave you zombie Nazis that people had to fight against in the modern day in Dead Snow and obviously the Hansel and Gretel movie with like Gemma Archerton. So if you marry those two things, if you're a genre fan, you're like, what would a Tommy Workala 87 North production be with David Harbour as a drunken Santa beating down like anonymous infinite baddies? Yes, delivered seal it in wax. I'm in. I love it. I laughed. I did cry. It was a theater filled with the, oh, ah, oh, like Mm. moans and groans of people just being shredded by titanic-sized 
jaded Santa David Harbour. <laughs> Wait, can I ask you, seriously, what made you cry? Those walkie-talkie conversations between darling okay. little Trudy <laughs> and Santa about the power of belief and the absence of it. A bunch of new bad guys showed up there on the naughty list. I'm sorry, I think this is it, kid. No, no, don't say that. Naughty list. Just grows and grows. I was emotional in those moments. I was like, it, okay. that is the power of Christmas. Like, I was like, my mom would really like this movie. <laughs> and I, David Harbour is really good at that sad sack guy. He is. If yeah. you liked stern Sheriff Hopper, if that was your bag when he became a father to Eleven in uh, Stranger Things, throw him in a blender with Billy Bob Thornton from obviously his bad Santa movie. Mm-hmm. And that's the guy you're getting. And that's the guy I'm happy to root for. Nice, nice. Netta, what about you? What were your feelings about this movie. I'm really glad that uh, Jordan liked it so much. And in this conversation, I think she is going to be playing the part of Tiny Tim and I will be Scrooge. I am the Grinch. (laughs) I was very torn walking out of the film. And I also am a Christmas horror junkie, whether it was more charmless or more witless. Mm. Mm. Say more. Say more. Yeah. I want to hear. I want to hear all about it. I mean, I didn't really think it was a movie. I thought it was a box office marketing concept. It was a pastiche. It basically took three movies, Die Hard, Bad Santa, and Home Alone, and it mashed them together much in the manner that someone might mash together a Big Mac from McDonald's with a Crunchwrap Supreme from Taco Bell plus a drumstick <laughs> from KFC, which might be tasty. Jordan finds that tasty. And, you know, in the right mood, I might find it tasty. But for me, I don't know. It was... Um, I would say it was an unholy mashup, but I think unholy sounds interesting and subversive, and I didn't really find anything interesting or subversive about the movie. Mm, Okay, so Violent Night, the Kentucky hut of (laughs) holiday horror movies. (laughs) It's interesting because I think I fall a little bit in between both of you. I definitely enjoyed the parts with David Harbour doing Mm -hmm. his best Bad Santa. Taking a break. Between shifts, I guess you could say. You ain't driving, are you? I steer a little, but the reindeer do most of the work. (laughs) In the very opening scene or the opening montage, there's a moment where he's flying in his sleigh and he just starts pissing over the side of the sleigh. And it's just like, okay, this is the movie we have. He even throws up on a woman. It's that kind of movie. So definitely not the type of movie I would take anyone under the age of maybe 12 to just be (laughs) forewarned. Also, it's rated R. So, you know. But at the same time, I found Trudy, no disrespect to this actress, but I think the way the character is written, she is so pure and wholesome and has not a single thing wrong with her at all. And I did not like that overly saccharine portrayal and that overly saccharine depiction alongside the very, very crude, gruesome comedy slash body horror violence that's going on in this movie. It felt a little too dissonant, the two things. I would have liked her to be at least a little bit more acidic. One of my favorite holiday movies, if you want to call it a holiday movie, is Meet Me in St. Louis. And Meet Me in St. Louis, 2D in that movie played by Margaret O'Brien. She's cute, but she is dark. And she has a weird, mean, very dark streak. And I wanted something like that from Trudy. It felt like it was a different movie. It felt like Hallmark movie meets people getting chainsawed and, and hammered to death. And, and I didn't like that. So I, I think for me, the best parts were David Harbour, 
the action scenes. John Leguizamo was also, I think, he loved it. He was enjoying that role of being the really bad guy who also, for whatever reason, has a connection to Christmas. <laughs> that is never, <laughs> it's very thinly explained. I didn't fully buy it. I think the, the writing overall of this, this movie is not great. But I can also see why people would enjoy it. Like, my audience was a full screening. People were cheering. People mm. were chuckling. It was pretty silent whenever Trudy was being her cute little self. But I, I fell in between it. I definitely think it's a type of movie that people, if this is the type of movie you gravitate towards, like Jordan, I think that, well, Netta, you do too. So I don't know. It's a toss up. It's hard to tell. But <laughs> is this a movie you would recommend to your friends? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I'm going to be really upfront. I am a genre fan, but I'm a snotty genre fan. Mm. I like any kind of genre. Oh, I know. I'm, no, I'm yeah. not. I'm I'm a trash collector, and so you and I are perfect, Jordan. Yeah, no, you're part of the problem that we're working against all of the time. Okay, I understand now. The enemy is in the room with me. We're, we're part of a glorious spectrum of fandom, and we need each other. I love any genre as long as it's really good. I don't like genre movies if they don't meet my snotty standards. My apologies. <laughs> okay, then I think that's very clarifying then, because yeah. then this is 100% not a movie for you. Like, even with your love of genre and Christmas and things like that, like, I would not tell my, I, I have a, a dear friend who has a policy of like, listen, if it's not aggregating like at 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm not really going to spend my time <laughs> on it. I would never recommend Violent Night to her. But like mm-hmm. the people that I go spend my every Saturday, like weekly movie night ritual with where we like watch Halloween kills and berated and scream evil dies tonight to one another for weeks on end. Like those are the exact people. Mm-hmm. And I also think I really liked Trudy's deep earnestness as just like the total contrast play because almost everybody in this movie is one note besides like Trudy's mom. Like Trudy's mom is the only like, she's the character who seems interesting and is not just a caricature the entire movie. Barely, but yes. (laughs) And I have to fully give it up for Beverly D'Angelo playing the acerbic woman of extreme undescribed power who like has senators in her pockets. When we meet this character, the language is not appropriate for NPR for me to tell you the things that she is saying into the phone. Her family is like doing the thing where they stand at attention and they're waiting for the matriarch to enter the room because everybody's angling for a gargantuan inheritance. Mm -hmm. And she is berating somebody on the other side of the phone on Christmas Eve, just shredding them apart. Uh, A friend of mine attended the Q&A when this movie played as like a Beyond Fest extension and the director was there. And apparently everything horrible that Beverly D'Angelo says on that one-sided phone call was improvised. That's just (laughs) Beverly D'Angelo channeling probably the worst call she's ever had with a producer in Hollywood being like, I know exactly what a horrible person in this position would say. And Beverly D'Angelo with her voice 19 octaves lower than it was when you knew her in Christmas Vacation. I want her back. Give me now genre stalwart baddie Beverly D'Angelo. Yeah. It's funny because I think for me, I also love trash and I'm also snob. I think there are also degrees of trash. So, you know, we can have a little mix up here. And I think for me, when it was at its best and trashiest in terms of the the action sequences, this movie finds so many, so many ways to incorporate everyday home appliances, just like Home Alone, but also Christmas themed things like a giant candy cane at one point is wielded and <laughs> a star on a tree is impaled in someone's face. Like that is the type of movie we're dealing with. When it came to the I don't even want to call it satire because I don't think it's trying that hard. But the satire, in quotation marks, of this wealthy family, 
especially since I had just seen Glass Onion coming off of that (laughs) and how good it is at sort of critiquing insane amounts of wealth in this economy. Um, Oh, and even seeing Edie Patterson in the role as a sister, who is great in Righteous Gemstones, another show that is really great at doing satire and is able to do it, I think, on a bigger scale. Like, she's playing the exact same role as she does Mm -hmm. in Righteous Gemstones. But here, she has no dimension, no depth. She's so funny. She's so funny, (laughs) but I I don't know. I just felt as though this movie tacked on this attempt at critique of social hierarchies. And I wish it hadn't. I wish it had just, you know, steered clear of that. Aisha, (laughs) I feel like you're giving the movie way too much credit. Just just as a little bit of background, like what's happening is that this group of of terrorists are sort of a have uh, imprisoned this family uh, who are obscenely wealthy and who are war profiteers. They've made all of their money in, in clearly for generations. It's generations of ill-gotten wealth. And the terrorists proceed to massacre the staff. Everyone who works for them dies. And right. I, look, I, I completely agree. Beverly D'Angelo, is, she's a genius. Right. The character she plays is horrible. One of my biggest surprises was that she didn't get killed. I mean, nobody, not a single member of this horrible family <laughs> faces any consequences whatsoever. Yeah. They are set up as supervillains. Any whiff of social critique doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Well, again, social critique in quotation marks. Like, I think they were clearly trying to do that because that's what so many movies these days and shows are doing, whether it's Knives Out, even Succession. Ready or not, this has been the thing now for a while of let's try to critique social, like this insane amounts of wealth. And I think this movie was trying to do that. How is it critiquing it, though? I mean, just like showing it isn't critiquing it. But that's the thing. Netta, we're on the same page. I don't think it's actually well, I'm on, criti- And I'm on a different page than both of you. I didn't <laughs> yeah. pick up on any even attempt at critique. I just figured that the rich people thing was the only construct for being like, there are terrorists breaking into a private residence to steal a bunch of money, so we need a rich yeah. person. Fine. And it's more fun to watch mean people at Christmas than it is to watch nice people at Christmas, as you wanted more cruelty from Trudy. So it just gives <laughs> you a cast of terrible people because it's more fun to watch them have, you know, jingle bell ho-ho-ho jokes lobbed at them. So I, I wasn't actually perceiving any critique. Fair point. You're 100% correct. I Some of my favorite horror movies have been critiques. Yeah. And so, you know, I was I was hopeful that sure. this movie would deliver on, on that front. Sure. Okay. Critique is the wrong word then. Yeah, but yeah, again, yeah. that wasn't even what I was trying to say. It's just that right. the, the fact that this movie throws that in there, it, I guess it's more of a cliche, like this this trope. It's a trope. Hardcore trope, yeah. It sets it up. Yeah, because it sets it up because, again, Trudy is, she is the kid, literally, who says, I don't want anything for Christmas. I just want my parents to like each other again. (laughs) Just as soon as that happens, like, oh my goodness, I can't. Honestly, if you want to know my biggest problem with this movie, I'll forgive, make them paper thin, make them one-dimensional. I don't care, I'm here for the violence. But the husband, (laughs) it was like, the whole time, I was like, this guy sucks. This woman would not be married to this man. This would not be Beverly D'Angelo's favorite child. No, no. This guy's like a plant, right? Like, he's like a mole. Like, the entire time, it was like, this guy is shady as hell. And they're trying to make me believe he's, like, on the side of good, but also the entire time, they're not making me trust it at all. That character, put him in the bin. A hundred percent. I feel about that character specifically, I think, the way Netta feels about the whole movie. (laughs) Already, Jordan, you've sketched out a movie that's way more interesting to me than the one I saw. (laughs) 
Yes. Well, once again, I do want to say, I, I think we've laid out a pretty good track for who will enjoy this movie and who might not. I think so, so I think this is this is useful. And also, I can think of people I would recommend go stream it. I would I would say not necessarily go to the theater to see it, but go stream it. Oh, and mine's a like, listen, guys, if you're up for a romp, like go to a theater if, if you feel comfortable going to a theater and soon so you can see it with as many people going there at the same time as possible. Yeah. I think what you can get out of it, if there's not much for you, the communal experience would be probably the best part. Yeah, true. And if there's a lot here for you, it will amplify your enjoyment by sharing the communal experience with like-minded folks who are going to ooh and ah and groan and laugh out loud, especially when David Harbour finally comes into the possession of the sledgehammer <laughs> and starts making good use of that in the middle of this movie. Yeah, the part where he says, Santa's coming to town. <laughs> Well, we want to know what you think about Violent Night, especially if you got to see it in a theater, as Jordan suggests. I do agree with that. I'm rescinding my earlier point. I think you do have to be around other people to really enjoy it. <laughs> but yes, let us know what you feel about it. Find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Meta Ulubi, Jordan Cruciola, thank you so much for being here and helping everyone figure out whether or not this movie is for them. <laughs> Bah humbug. (laughs) Jingle all the way, guys. Get out there. And I'm a, you know, a ho-ho. Ho? Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This episode was produced by Mike Katzif and Chloe Weiner and edited by Jessica Reedy. Hello, Come In provides our theme music. And I'm Aisha Harris. We'll see you all tomorrow when we'll be talking about Guillermo del Toro's new film, Pinocchio. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with their original podcast, Choiceology. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change. Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind people's decisions. Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, authors, athletes, and more about why people do the things they do. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com podcast or wherever you listen. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.